Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon or good evening. However device you're receiving this from, thank you and welcome to the 50th, that's right, 50 cent edition of the Man Cave Huddle. Now, in these past couple episodes, I've leveled up a little bit and I've had some guests on, some family, some co-workers, but I figured for the 50th episode, I wanted to have a co-worker, but this time we're going to flip the script and we're going to get the female opinion on sports. Now, I have my co-worker here who is a, she does the graphics, not only, she's a graphic coordinator, not only for the New York Yankees pre and post game, not only for the Brooklyn Nets pre and post game and halftime, not only for the Michael K show, the whole damn show. She does research too. She's a little bit of everything. Ladies and gentlemen, anybody that's hearing this right now, I'm still not sponsored, so I don't have the clap button. Let's welcome Sam to the show. All right, Sam, let's go, Sam. All right, Sam, how are you today? Good. Thank you much for that uh, wonderful introduction. I mean, I didn't even mention that. See, that, those are just your professional accolades. Mm-hmm. Let's not even talk about how you were a collegiate athlete playing some of the smartest basketball there is, being a forward at NYU. Correct? Correct. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> All right. So um, one thing that I know about my friend Sam here, she has developed a type of sarcabulary. What I mean by that is she's real cool and she's real friendly. But it's a type of vocabulary where it's like sarcastic. But once you know it's sarcastic, the darts that she throws at you are really jokes. They're not really meant to like insult but if you don't know her, you're like, oh, wow, why she talk to me like that? So if she, if you happen to hear that, it's the Samantha Sarcabulary. That's right, Samantha Sarcabulary. So. You need to trademark that then. Sarcabulary? I guess. All right, I mean, I'm with that as long as you could just give me a little bit of, you know, the royalties or something. Well, if you're trademarking it, then you've got, you know, all the income. I just was the inspiration for it. True, but you have to, like, do little, um, how should I say, you know those little sound bites that you could, you know, they have all over social media and whatnot. You got to say, like, I don't think so. Or, like, what are some of the other things that you say? I don't know. I'm just, they just come yeah. up. All right, see. It's in the it's, moment. It's one of those things where she doesn't think about it. The moment comes and then she just, like, throws you that backhand compliment. Like, yeah, you're a talented person for somebody that's been doing this for 20 years. See? She's laughing right now. That's something she would say. Okay, so um, I want to get your opinion on basketball in a couple different areas since you're an aficionado having managed, having played, having coached. How old are these girls that you coached? I coached a fifth-grade girls team. Fifth-grade girls team. So um, you're you're experienced in, in a lot of levels of basketball. So let's talk about, as of today, MVP candidates in the M- in the NBA who would you consider your your top MVP candidates uh I think I'd go with a lot of the consensus with Giannis uh James Harden um and then I think Paul Hor- George is probably a dark horse in there or maybe you could throw like Nikola uh Jokic from the Nuggets 
Yes, that was a big win that they had uh, last night against the Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, you know, when I look at Harden, up to this point in the season, in my opinion, I thought he was, like, hands down the MVP candidate, like the guy that was going to win the trophy when Chris Paul went down. And um, I forget who the center is on the team. Slipping my mind at the moment. But he went down, and Um, it was like— Clint Capella? Yes, Clint Capella went down. And— he went on that streak of 30-point games. And for me, people look at it like, well, he's selfish scoring 30 points a game. But they did go 22-10. and 10. So they needed him to score. He was the only option, but they were winning. It was an uneven 22-10, and 10, but, yeah, they did. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. And then um, when I look at him, the only thing now is – He's, I think he's he's missed some time or he's going to miss some time, and they're like the fifth seed in the West. And when it, when you're in the West, that kind of does carry some weight only because the Western Conference is way better than the East. And when you look at Giannis Atatokounmpo, the Greek freak on Milwaukee, what do you think of his game? What are your thoughts on him as an MVP candidate? I just think he's more of a complete player. Like, he does it on offense for, you know, the best team in the NBA. And then on defense, too, he's much more of a presence than someone like maybe James Harden. And that's where I give him the edge. (laughs) (laughs) James Harden plays that Ole defense where he's just like, wow, that was a nice layup, bro. All right, give me the ball for the three. That's what he does. Um, I mean, I agree with you with Giannis. I mean, he has that crazy wingspan. It almost feels like from the free throw line, he could just take one step. Or even from the half court line, he can just one dribble, two steps, and like dunk. So he has everything within the paint, and he's definitely a defensive presence. But to me, the only thing that's lacking, not that it's going to deter him from winning an MVP trophy because he has the Bucks, the number one seed in the East. It's just that lack of an outside shot. And in today's three-point shooting game, to not be able to shoot the three, that's almost like that's almost like going to the club and leaving your debit card at home, right? And you only have 50 bucks in your pocket. That's why you bring your credit card then. But see, but that's what I'm saying. Giannis needs to, to He's develop. He's got other skills. But he needs to develop that three-point shot. I mean, someone else can shoot it on his team. That's, he can't do everything, he right? Can't, he can't do everything. I agree with that. But I think... And he, I thought he was working on it on the summer when he refused to work with, jo- with Jordan, with LeBron. I figured if he developed a three-point shot, what teams are doing now is they're packing the paint and they're double and triple teaming him. But to the credit of the Bucks coaching staff, they've surrounded him with shooters. Right. So it's you like— You got Brooke Lopez jacking up threes. Like, and, and he, he shoots, can do it instead. And he, you got Lopez, uh, Middleton, Brogdon. <laughs> You got um, I forgot the point guard's name. The guy uh, they traded for last year from Kentucky. But you got a lot of those players. So, I mean, I, just as in terms of going deep into the playoffs. But in if you want to talk about Giannis winning the MVP trophy, twenty seven points, career high, twelve rebounds, career high, six assists, career high, and Bucks number one seed. And he's I mean, doing it all. I think I saw a stat like he's, you know, averaging the fewest minutes since like his second season in the league. So he's being really? efficient. Efficient. That's like a trend now where it's like all about the efficiency. It's not about like the good old days where you could jack up 40 shots and score 30 points. It's like, how about 15 shots and still get the 40 points? I didn't know that. Okay, see? Man, Cape well, Huddle. Like what everybody. Harden is, you know, 
He's jacking up shots. Yeah, he shoots in volume, but he still gets his numbers because, you know, he's... He has the carte blanche. Exactly. So, um, like, you know, as per Sam, you know, you get that information that you don't get everywhere. Giannis is getting the lowest minutes that he has since his rookie year, and I believe this is his... Oh, second season. And this is his sixth year in the NBA. So he's pretty much... The game is starting to slow down as his game is starting to speed up. Now, what are your thoughts on whom I feel could be the third candidate and is a, a likely candidate to win the MVP, Mr. PG-13, Paul George himself. My thoughts on him? Yes. Yeah, he's definitely a dark horse. He's in the mix. Um, he's doing real well for the Thunder. Um, you know, had a hot stretch recently, which I think propelled him more into the conversation. I agree. I mean, at first, when you looked from the outside in and you looked at the Thunder, you just thought it was going to be another triple-double season by Westbrook, and then it was just going to be how far could the Thunder take it or could they be competitive. Mm -hmm. But then now it's not even that they're competitive. They're the third seed in the West. You know, in the Western Conference, they're the third seed. And there are some nights you're seeing Paul George have like a 45-point triple-double. This year he's averaging – 28 points, a career high, 8.1 rebounds. And he's even playing on the defensive side, having 2.2 steals, leading the league. So, I mean, for him to do that and have the Thunder in the third seed in the West, I mean, that that's, that's putting it work, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and I know the knock on him was always that he wasn't clutch or whatever. And, yeah. Um, he's had three, like, game-winning shots, basically, mm-hmm. this season after being, like, 0 for 14 coming into this year mm-hmm. on shots, go-ahead shots and yeah. 10 seconds left. Yeah, that, that's like a that. weird stat, right? I guess. It's trying to, like, contextualize clutchness. I don't know if you can really put a stat to it, but I think we try. The, you know, I think from the fans' perspective, that clutch gene is that of when it's under 90 seconds to go and it's like a one-possession game mm-hmm. and that player touches the ball, your heart beats a little bit faster and you stand up and you start looking at the screen because you that player could literally do anything and score. Whereas if you gave it to another player, you're like, okay, I hope he takes the shot because he doesn't make the shot. And this year, uh, Paul George, he's done a lot of that and he's done a lot of, I don't want to say being the alpha on the Thunder because I don't think you could like conceivably do that with Westbrook as a teammate, but he's almost been like a 1B to the 1A. Yeah, I was, that was my analogy I was going to yeah. use too. I mean, um, a lot. Uh, uh, there are other, a couple other guys. You could talk about like Durant, Steph Curry, Kawhi Leonard, but I think Durant and Curry, they kind of like X themselves out because – it's almost like with that team and how great they are, like who's really the MVP? Because if one is gone, does the team really fall off that much? You know? I mean, do you think Kawhi should be maybe thought of higher as a candidate being in the East? Although they're the two seed, but nobody knew what the Raptors were going to be. And now he has them as a two seed and very, very competitive. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like, uh, what is it, DeRozan and Kawhi were interchangeable. Like, Raptors were great last year, too, and this year they've kind of continued that success playing maybe a different style of basketball, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah. No, yeah, I, I agree. I think, Kawhi's like, in the mix. I, I, I don't think, know how legitimate his candidacy is, but. Yeah, that's why I think, like, 
with Giannis having such a career year in the East, and because Toronto at this point, I'm not saying they're not going to get the number one seed, but if G- if Giannis holds on to the number one seed, I think with his light ascending and maybe James Harden, I don't want to say like his his like his candidacy is descending, but it's kind of like. You know when you're at like a party or like a club or something and you get a mixed drink, right? And you take the first couple of sips and you're like, <coughs> man, this is a strong drink. And then you get to the bottom of the drink and it's like really a lot of like watered down, like ice water. Do you, sure. do you feel that's what we're getting right now with James Harden? A little like watered down ice water. And whereas Giannis, we're getting that the drink is still strong at the bottom. Yeah, I guess that's fair to say. I don't know. Harden too, I think. The knock on him last year was that he faded during the playoffs. So yeah. is that starting to happen again? Is, uh... Now, you see, before so... we move on to our next topic, to me, when I talk about Harden, let's keep in mind that the MVP is like a regular season trophy because I'm going to agree with everyone that says the style that Harden plays is not conducive of you winning in the playoffs. They're not going to call the fouls that he's getting in the regular season. He's not going to get – um the hay and get a foul call. It's not going to win you a championship, but during the regular season, it's great. It's exciting like it's, to watch. Yeah, it's 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 entertaining. To your point, it's exciting, and you win regular season games. But in the postseason, when you get knocked down to the floor, no foul call, and everybody's running down the other side of the court, Harden doesn't like that. No. So um, let's talk about another team in the West, a team who many thought was going to have the number one MVP candidate who many thought was going to bring a lot of the luster back to L.A., who many thought the shine was going to be the brightest on the Los Angeles Lakers and Mr. LeBron James. I'm going to put it to you like this, Sam. One question, open-ended. Will the Los Angeles Lakers make the playoffs? You want an open-ended answer or you want yes or no? Well, you could give me your yes or no and why. Will they make the playoffs? Like yes and why and no and this is why. I'm leaning towards no. Uh, A lot of the statistics kind of point in that direction. Um, Right now a lot of the like playoff – Odds makers, rankings, things have the Lakers at like under, you know, twenty percent, yeah. which is not great. I saw that. Um, they also have a really tough schedule going down. To the One wire. of the toughest. Yeah, I saw that too. Fourth hardest in the West, eighth mm-hmm. overall. Oof. Coming in prepared with that oh, information. Oh yeah, I got stats here. Okay, all right. So like fourteen of their last twenty-two games against teams uh, that are currently going to make the playoffs. Oof, that's not a good look. They got to play the Bucks twice. Mm. OKC, uh, Golden State. Actually, their last five games at OKC versus Golden State at the Clippers, which I guess is kind of a home game, uh, versus Utah and versus Portland. Wow. And those are the last five games. Yep. And Their usually, schedule. wow. Usually, when you're like trying to make the playoffs, it's usually that last ten games where you have to win like seven or eight or six out of seven to make the playoffs. If those are the last five games, yeesh, I didn't even know that. Like. For me, um, when I look at the Lakers, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. And 
The reason why I don't think so is because I think the trade rumors of trying to acquire Anthony Davis really rattled the young players on that team. And LeBron James did come out with comments saying that, you know, it's part of the business, but you got a whole bunch of players on that team that are in their second and third year trying to figure out their way. And the guys that are the veterans, like uh, a Ray John Rondo, um, a Lance, Leia Stevenson, or even a Michael Beasley, you don't really see them playing as much as the young kids. And I can't say I don't blame the young kids for being rattled, but hearing players getting traded on a team that LeBron James is on, I'm not saying I have any inside information, but you know that LeBron James, has. I don't want to say he has say, but he probably gets that, is this cool with you? Would you agree with that or no? Yeah, like they check in with him or yeah. so? I could see that. Yeah, like, look, this is the package we're thinking of putting together to get AD. Are you cool if we trade these players? Yeah, I'm sure they run a buy him or, like, give him a heads up or so. Yeah. I could see that happening. And then, just because of the sway he has with... And the, he and the clout. And to me, it's like, you know, I think the players probably universally have a thing against management where, like, not that you're anti-management, but management doesn't understand the players. You're wary. And then it's, like, another thing where you have a player in the locker room where it's, like, the locker room is supposed to be sacred where you're allowed to say and feel how you feel. And now you have a a, a player where it's, like, yo, I don't know if I can say how I feel because I might get traded. I think that's what rattled the team. Well, yeah, I think it's too, like, you know, all these young players last off season. Oh, cool! LeBron's coming here. Like he wants to play with me, and now it's like you're starting to doubt that. Oh wait, did he? Did he want to? <laughs> yeah, he, no, he didn't. <laughs> did he want me as trade bait? Like, all right, does he actually believe in my skill set, or does he kind of, you know, see something lacking, and no. he's kind of doubting me now? No, yeah, I, I I completely agree with that, and you know, the, people are now talking about LeBron James and his leadership skills, or is he as great as we all thought? Now, well, now he's questioning is like those young guys too, and their urgency. That too, that too. But to me, it's like, is this current team that LeBron James is on? Is this team would you say better, worse, or equal than the team that he took to the finals last year? And it had Kyrie, Jr. That had um. What's this? That had uh, Kevin Love, obviously LeBron. You had that big man from L.A. Do you think, like, better, worse, or equal? I guess I'd lean toward slightly worse. This team? Yeah. I don't think they have this enough experience. Like, you had mm-hmm. a little, like, some bigger name guys with the Cleveland team. Maybe yeah. it was, like, kind of the big three or the big two. Because when you look at that other team, you look at, like, Kyrie Irving, and he's better than any number – he's better than Kuzma, Ingram, or whomever you want to call the number two option currently on the Lakers. But um, in saying that, he took a team that was slightly better than he's on now to, like, the finals four years in a row right. in the East. In the East, which is, you know – perennially been terrible. I don't want to say terrible, but we all know they've been weaker than the West. And then the minute he gets into the West, he can't even make the playoffs? 
the playoffs, the playoffs. We talking playoffs? We talking playoffs. He can't even make the playoffs. I mean, is that a is that a maybe he was making the finals every year because the East was that weak and maybe the last five games in the East he might be playing teams like in no disrespect, I'm a Bulls fan. He might be playing the Bulls two times, the Knicks, Atlanta, Orlando, whereas opposed to the teams that you mentioned. Yeah, that could be a factor. I think also this is the first year he's had to deal with like a significant injury or was out for an extended period of time. Good point. And that's then, a good point. So, I mean, during that stretch, that's where, like on Christmas Day after they beat the Warriors, they were like tied for fourth in the West, and they've slipped now all the way down to tied for 10th. Yeah, so, I mean, they're like out of the playoffs now. Yeah. Right, right. They're out of the playoffs. Mix. Um, they're still in the mix, but, you know. Now, they're still trying to find the rhythm, I guess, with him coming back. True. Now, do you think Lonzo Ball, not that he's a great player, but when you look at the, the Lakers, right? Now, um, I did a little bit of homework, too. Okay, good. The Lakers in the last seven games have gone 2-5. They're scoring 112 points but allowing 124. Their field goal percentage is 48, but the other team is scoring 50%. Their per- field goal percentage is 50%. Now, not that Lonzo is the defensive stopper, but he's long, he could jump, he's athletic. Do you think that maybe he would help a little bit if he were playing? He could, theoretically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that has been the problem. They, you know, they let up 61 points in the first half against the Grizzlies, who's Oof. the league's lowest scoring team in the league. So. And, and, and there's no Gasol on that team. And you had Joe Kim Noah running down the lane like he's still on the Bulls dunking. I saw that game. I was like, man. But, um, you know, when uh, uh, you know throughout these past seven games, you know, although they've gotten two and five, there's a lot you can say about these young players. But, you know, you got Ingram, who has been averaging 21 points, 51% from the field, six rebounds, three assists. Yeah, he's on a hot streak. And Kyle Kuzma, throughout these last seven games, has had 21 points, 50% from the field, 40% from three, four rebounds, two assists. He's been helping. I think in the last guy, obviously, LeBron, 24 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. He's been averaging a triple-double in the last seven. So I don't really think it's the, the offensive side. I think more so it's the defensive side. You know, like the stops that they need to get or the key rebound or the key steal or, like, execution. And I don't know if that's, like, a will or a want to or if that's just maybe inexperienced by young players. And, you know, you you saw the highlights when they played uh, Memphis the other night, how LeBron was – his man was beyond the three-point line and LeBron is underneath the rim. And they were knocking down threes that way. And just the defensive lapses that LeBron has had, do you think he's getting exposed in the West by night in, night out playing teams that are just have really good players as opposed to, like I said earlier, playing in the East? Yeah, I'm not sure if it's, you know, taking a play off here or there, not knowing your scattering report, whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, he's not been as explosive on the defensive end, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the injury still nagging him. I mean, I'm just kind of throwing out theories here. Okay. I don't know the definitive answer, but. All right. So let me ask you if and when LeBron James doesn't make the playoffs. Does does the king still get crowned as the king, 
or should we be looking at other players as and I don't want to say body of work because you can't deny his eight consecutive finals appearances although he's only won three but you can't making it eight times there's something to be said for that even coming out of the east there's something to be said for that do you think that another player as of today might be looked at as moving forward we should keep an eye on this guy as the next best player in the league maybe a Kevin Durant a Kawhi Leonard maybe a um, Steph Curry somebody like that I'm not sure just because you can never count LeBron James out like I'm not gonna count him out right now yeah you know they were counted out when they were down 3-1 to the Warriors and he we all saw what happened. Sealed the deal. So this is almost like a similar narrative of, you know, okay, I'm going to miss the playoffs. I'm down on out. You mm-hmm. know, people are writing me off, but next year I'm going to come back greater than ever and conquer it all. And no, I, I could I, see that, you know. That I, I believe only in that I remember when Tom Brady was like head and shoulders, the best quarterback in the league. And. There were a couple years where he didn't make the, the Super Bowl or he didn't make the Super Bowl and lost, and then Peyton Manning was still playing and won, and people were saying how Tom Brady may have slipped. And I thought that too, but then I think the really great players, they use that stuff as fuel, and there's no doubt that Tom Brady is the the, the greatest quarterback that's played in the NFL. Do you think you know LeBron James right now is just saving all the memes? Saving all the Instagram posts, the Twitter posts, saving all the pre and post game jokes that everybody's saying. And when he's in the gym, he's not listening to music. He's listening to maybe this podcast, Man Cave Huddle LeBron, how you doing? He's listening to podcasts like this, telling him that has he lost a step, maybe he's not that good. And you think next year he's going to come back like not LeBron James, but he's coming back as King James, ready to regain his throne. I think he just wrote his next commercial. <laughs> Yo, if anybody wants, I'm free. I do commercials. I can learn how to act. I'm not an actor. I could do voiceovers. I can't really fluctuate my voice. But, you know, I could get vocal coaching. La, 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 la. But anyway. Um, LeBron James. LBJ. A lot of great players. LBJ. A lot of great players have gone to the Lakers either as free agents or they've been drafted, you know, from Worthy to Magic to Kobe to um, Shaq to Pau Gasol. A lot of great players have gone there, and they've all delivered a championship to the Lakers. Could LeBron James be the first great player to go to the Lakers and not deliver a championship during his time as a Laker. I mean, anything's possible, right? But what do you do? You think while he's there? I'm not talking about an appearance. I'm not talking about showing up to the club. I'm not talking about waiting online. I'm talking about you get in, you going into the championship room and getting your complimentary. You have won the trophy, glass of champagne. Uh, yeah, I think I could see, like, a window where he gets one. You know, it's it probably won't be this year, maybe not next. I think, like, in a couple years when the, the young players around him have matured a bit mm-hmm. and before he's kind of started his decline, you know, decline, maybe he's already in it because he's got a lot of, you know, NBA miles on that body. But And when um, he's, he's seen... He's what, 34? 
Um, he's up there. He's up there. I mean, so he's got to could... get it before he gets like too old, you know. But uh huh. That I... sweet spot of like, I'm not too old. Players around me are kind of on the rise. I mean, the, the, the We've thing had is, a couple years to gel together and figure out a lot of the. And he could be at the point now where it's like LeBron. You're right. Wow, 34 years old. You see, when you do graphics, there's one thing that you always got to be weary of is numbers. And <laughs> Sam is great at what she does. Man, she knows numbers. LeBron, LeBron James, 34 years of age. Um, I don't know if that was the most impressive statistic no, I could no, have it, thought it, of. No, it wasn't. But, but your face was that of like, look, I'm just gonna throw this shot up. I hope it goes in. And nothing but net. We won the game. So that's you know pretty much. I'm trying to give you some props. That was pretty All good. Right. I'll accept the props. All right. Um, so I'm thinking more like to your point. Maybe as he's, you know, when you're on the airplane and prepare for for uh prepare for arrival, buckle up your seatbelt. Maybe when he's at that point in his career where it's like he's about to get off the airplane, he can let the Ingrams and the Kuzmas and the Lonzo Balls get busy and LeBron could be cool with, like, 18, 15 points a game, maybe, you know, seven, eight assists, and and let these guys, you know, take all the shine because he knows that they can um, win them a trophy. But I'll be – it'll be real interesting to see. He's a Robin to his Batman. What? Yes. Right? I like that. He could be the Robin to a couple Batmans. It might need to be, like – Imagine now, imagine if Ball, Kuzma, and Ingram develop into what we all thought they were under the tutelage of LeBron James. Wise old LeBron. And what if a player happens to go? What if Anthony Davis, now this is the thing, that's tough, man, because he's under contract next year. So the latest they could get him is, what, like maybe, if, if not this summer, you'd think he'd be dealt by uh, the trade There's... deadline next year, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah, because he consider- continues to kind of pout and let and it be known that I'm he doesn't want to be there. And the Pelicans continue to, quote unquote, rest him. Yeah. Saving and, him for what? But <laughs> No, injury. You don't want him to get injured. Right, right. He's still a. Now, trade asset, but um, women in sports. Right. I really want to get your opinion on this. Okay. Um, there isn't a lot of in the NBA coaching wise. There isn't a lot of representation of women coaches in the NBA. Whereas in the WNBA, there's tons of men that are head coaches, assistant coaches, and you see them all over the place. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think at this point, I don't know. It's a tough question. Throwing me on the spot. Um, I guess, obviously, I'd like to see more women coaches in the NBA. And I think it's been proven, you know, in the small sample size that it's possible. I think the the best example, obviously, is Becky Hammond. That's what I was going to talk about next. Okay. See? Greatness is always aligned <laughs> with each other. So, um, Becky Hammond is an assistant coach with the San Antonio Spurs, mm-hmm. and she's been there for a while. Do you think that she could potentially be the first female NBA head coach? I mean, she's certainly in position to be there. I think she's further ahead than a lot of the other one, um, yeah. you know, women that we might hear about. But um, like, I think it was a couple of years ago, too, that she was the head coach for like the NBA Summer League yes. and uh, won that, so... I mean, when I when I hear about Becky and, and people try and, and knock her 
coaching ability to me. When you look at um, Budenholzer, the head coach of the Bucks, um, I forget the Brooklyn Nets head coach, the head coach of the uh, Kenny Atkinson. Yes, Kenny Atkinson, and Greg. We're on the Yes Network. Well, it's and just that. Well, Aaron Boone's the manager of the Yankees. Yankees Entertainment and Sports. Right, but we also air the Nets. Okay, fine. I'm sorry. Kenny Atkinson. Thirty-two and thirty Nets, who are sixth in the East right now. There goes there, there goes more of that um, graphics clout that she's putting on. So, and the head coach of the Phoenix Suns is also a Popovich protege. So to me, it's like, uh, although the Phoenix Suns is a project, the Bucks and the Nets are both doing well. So Becky Hammond is in a position where the people that graduate from the Popovich School of Coaching, they do well if given time. Do you think that maybe it's still, can a woman lead? Or do you think maybe it's not that a woman could lead? Right, and I think there's also the factor of, you know, adjusting to the NBA game. I'm like, you know, men and women's basketball slightly different. Like, the women's game is a lot more fundamental, and the men is a lot more above the rim and whatnot. So mm-hmm. um, maybe that factors in if there's more of a learning curve for women, especially when coaching men. And um, Okay. But, no, I think women can be leaders. Like, there are women coaching WNBA teams. and Now, um, with... The women coaching, I agree with you. I think Becky Hammond is going to be a phenomenal coach when she gets her chance. Now, to wrap this episode up, could you tell me what your greatest sports experience is? Greatest sport experience? That you've had, either watching or you've had playing. Playing. Um... I guess I'd have to go back and actually talk about my experience at NYU. And uh, I walked on for my senior year. So just my first basket that I scored, I think that's something I'll never forget. And I know it sounds cliche and cheesy, but it was a pretty cool feeling. And I like kind of like – I don't, I was a player that didn't really show emotion on the court, or I tried not to. But like after that, I kind of – what's happening? That was your paper that just flicked up in here. No, oh. you're good. All right, sorry to – yeah, so it was just scoring your bucket at NYU. Yeah, okay. That's pretty so going, cool. Yeah, going back to that, wasn't a player that showed much emotion or tried not to, um, but after that kind of like did a fist pump, and I remember all my teammates like cheering for me, so that was kind of exciting. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Samantha, thank you so much for You're coming welcome. on thank you for to the Man me. Cave Huddle. Now, um, like I do in every episode, I want to end it in a positive quote, and in this positive quote I like to say, Difficult roads often lead to beautiful destinations. Difficult difficult roads often lead to beautiful destinations. Thank you for listening. And bye-bye, everybody.